This is What's the Spread? Welcome, week three. We got some Big Ten games to get to. As always, I'm your host, Dan Starr, co-hosting Andy Starr. Andy, what are you feeling about week three? You learning some stuff? Yeah, I think, you know, we got two weeks in. We got some data on these 2021 teams. I think the the game's starting to slow down. We're hitting our stride, hopefully, here in the next couple weeks. So I'm uh, looking forward to it. Excellent. Uh, so both of us, I think we were both positive last week. Can you give us a quick little recap? Yeah, real quick. So starting uh, Illinois was at Virginia minus 10, Virginia being the favorite there. Uh, Virginia did win 42-14. We were both on that one. Michigan State hosted Youngstown State as 25.5 point favorites. Uh, they won 42-14. to We were both on that one. Minnesota was a 20-point favorite at home against Miami of Ohio. They only won 31-26. to We both missed that one. Uh, Miami of Ohio getting the cover there. Indiana State Sycamores were at Northwestern. Northwestern was a 29.5-point favorite. They didn't even score 29.5. They only won 24-6. to We both missed that one. Sycamores getting the cover. Uh, Oregon at uh, Ohio State. Ohio State was 14.5-point favorites. We all know what happened there. Oregon getting the shocking win there. You and I both took Ohio State, so we both missed that one. Uh, Purdue, no surprise, took UConn to the woodshed. Uh, they won 49 to nothing, covering the 34-point spread. We were both on that one. Rutgers minus two at Syracuse ended up winning that game 17-7. to I missed that one, but you did uh, call the Rutgers minus two there. Uh, Buffalo at Nebraska, yeesh, my lead pipe lock. Uh, Nebraska was a 13 and a half point favorite. Uh, they ended up covering that spread, winning 28 to three. So uh, I missed that one. So did you. Buffalo was unable to uh, keep that game close. Uh, Ball State at Penn State. Penn State, 22 and a half point favorites last week. Uh, they did win 44 to 13, uh, covering that spread. I got that one right. You got that one wrong. Maryland, 45-point favorites, hosting Howard. They won 62-0, to zero, pretty much exactly the score we predicted. Uh, you covered, We both got that one right. That was, that was your lead pipe lock. Uh, Idaho at Indiana. Indiana was a 28-and-a-half-point favorite. They covered that easily, 56-14. to 14. Eastern Michigan at Wisconsin. Wisconsin was a 26-point favorite. That was a closer one. They, uh, well, the game wasn't close. They won 34-7, to seven, just covering that 26-point spread. We both got that one. And Washington at Michigan. Michigan was a 7-point favorite, and they covered that spread 31-10. to 10. You got that one right. I got that one wrong. And last but not least, Iowa at Iowa State. Uh, Iowa winning that game as a 4.5-point underdog 27 to 17 i got that one right you got that one wrong and last but not least the bonus pick uh my pick rice plus eight and a half horrible horrible advice don't ever listen to me on bonus picks uh they lost 44 to 7 and you did get your bonus pick virginia tech cover the 19 and a half point spread against middle tennessee so overall in the big 10 we both finished eight and six this week on the season i'm 14 10 and one in the Big Ten, you are 13, 11, and one in the Big Ten. Lead pipe locks, I am 0, 1, and 1. You are 1, 1, and 0. Um, bonus picks, 0, and 3 for me. Eesh, like oh, I said. Oh, ee, oh, this is, uh, this, I'm turning it around this week, I promise you. And uh, Dan, you are 
undefeated in bonus picks. So well done there. Just rolling. Maybe I just stop doing Big Ten and just pick everything else. Yeah, I mean, it's not a bad idea, but I, I think we got, you know, all these FCS games are starting to dissipate a little bit. So I think, uh, you know, we can start to see some actual data and make some conclusions a little bit easier moving forward. Yeah, no, uh, it was quite the week. We had a full slate of games. We both did very well. I'm looking forward to this week. We got games on the docket. Starting with a Friday night matchup, Maryland and Illinois. So let's let's just get into it, Andy. We got 12 games, like I said. So let's get after it here. So Maryland goes to Champaign Friday night. They're seven and a half point favorites. So just over a touchdown. They've looked really sharp with Talia. Uh, you know, albeit they played uh, FCS last week, but blew the doors off like they were supposed to. And then you got Illinois. Kind of an interesting team. They looked really good week one, even with having their uh, backup quarterback, Sipkowski, coming in late. Um, but then since then, they uh, haven't looked subpar at best. Do you think Illinois has enough to cover at home? Yeah, this Illinois team, the one thing that has impressed me is they're, you know, they've got a decent run defense, uh, which wasn't really their strong suit last year. That. If you look at their totals, they're like 91st in the country in that category. But a lot of that's game script where they've just been, you know, getting beat up by Texas, San Antonio and Virginia. But they hold the lead running backs to a low average on yards per carry. So I do like their run defense. And like they had that big run given up to Adrian Martinez in week one. The thing that does concern me is their pass defense. They haven't really, I mean, Brennan Armstrong is a good quarterback last week that really tore into them, but they have 122nd rated pass defense at 311 yards per game. And we all know about Maryland and that pass offense, uh, 14th rated in the country, 339 and a half yards per game. And this was against the supposed best pass defense from 2020 in West Virginia and an FCS opponent. They shut out 62 to nothing. So really, they didn't need to pass that much in a game like that, but they still are managing, you know, all these yards. Uh, they have yet to turn the ball over. They're one of only nine teams in FBS left that hasn't had a turnover yet. Uh, they have forced five turnovers, um, which is good for the fifth best margin in the country. Um, one thing to note is Illinois has forced four turnovers uh, with the, that new defensive scheming uh, put in with the Bielema regime. So that might be something to monitor. But this Maryland defense is tough. They held West Virginia, who I consider to be a pretty decent offense, under 350 total yards. So I think they go into Champaign and win this game pretty easily. Um, early, I thought this might be my lead pipe lock, but uh, you know it's hard to you know feel confident about road teams. But I I am feeling very confident. I did bet this game uh, Maryland minus seven and a half. Yeah, I'm pretty much with you here as well. Terps um, come into this game. Their defense has three interceptions already in two games. Sitkowski for his career is as 14 touchdowns to 21 interceptions. So I think he's going to throw at least a pick in this game. And then, like you talked about, um, Illinois' pass defense, atrocious. Talia's looked awesome, 303 yards per game, two TDs a game passing. He's also scored a bunch on the run. Um, so I look for him to have another monster game. I also look for Deemers Jr. wide receiver to have a, a pretty solid game uh, receiving. And then you look at Maryland's defense. Um, you talked about their turnovers. You talked about how they're ranked 12th uh, against the run. 
51 yards per game. Illinois, they're kind of, you know, a well-balanced team, but I think they lean a little bit on the run, especially with Sitkowski at, at uh, quarterback. Um, and they only average about 147 yards a game in those first three games. So I look for Maryland to shut it down against Illinois. I look for them to win pretty big here. Um, and then Maryland, they have yet to lose a turnover all season. So um, I think, you know, they're, they're a well-coached team. They're well-disciplined. And they're going to get this pretty easy. I agree with Andy. Yeah, you mentioned Demas Jr., also Rakeem Jarrett. Yeah, that, that offense is just full of uh, weapons. And then last week, they had, I think they had four guys score a touchdown running the ball. So they can get you a couple ways. All right. So that's our only game on Friday. Then we move into a full slate of 11 matchups on Saturday, starting off with a, a rivalry renewed, if you will. We got Nebraska going to Norman, Oklahoma, um, taking on the Sooners, where the Sooners are a negative 22.5-point favorites. What do you think, Andy? Does Nebraska get, keep their momentum going uh, with their two-game win streak into, into Norman? Man, I can't stand Nebraska. This team is just so hard to read. Adrian Martinez is a complete anomaly to me. Um, the one thing I can say about them is their defense looked good last week, especially holding that Buffalo rush attack to only 135 yards on the ground. Adrian Martinez, like I said, he's somehow gone two games in a row now without turning the ball over. That'll never happen again for as long as he plays quarterback. Um, he still managed to run for another hundred yards on the ground. Samari Toure looked great last week, but they've been feasting on these big plays. So they had two 68 yard touchdowns of Toure. And then they had, a, I think, like a 70-yard run by Adrian Martinez. It's turned into a touchdown. So it's like these r big plays that they're ripping off. And aside from that, you know, their offense is kind of anemic. Um, looking at Oklahoma, they've kind of had a strange year so far, too. Uh, they took the, out their week one frustrations on Western Carolina last week, dropping a big old 76 bomb on them. Uh, Rattler threw for five TDs and they had 624 yards on offense. But like I said, week one was a different story for them. They faced a legitimate QB threat in Michael Pratt. Uh, he threw for uh, 296 yards and three TDs in Oklahoma in Norman. Um, so the Sooners had to fend off a 21 to three second half by the uh, green wave. So it was, a, it was, it was an interesting game for him. Um, but I mentioned the big plays with Nebraska. Oklahoma's only given up one play for more than 40 yards. And I don't think they're going to, you know, let Nebraska get away with those big, long plays. Um, like I said, they, they played a legitimate QB in Michael Pratt, and there was a close game. Adrian Martinez, in my opinion, is not a legitimate QB. He will turn the ball over out this week. He has to. He has to. So... I'm taking Oklahoma here, minus 22 and a half. I'm going to leave Nebraska away from my lead pipe block for now, uh, but I'm pretty confident here in Oklahoma. Okay. So this is a tough one because what Oklahoma are you going to get? You know, Oklahoma high-powered offense, uh, Rattler, Heisman candidate. You know, are you going to are you going to get the second half against Tulane? Are you going to get, you know, the, that started, or the team that started 0-2 last year? Which, which Oklahoma are you getting? And then same thing, which Nebraska are you getting? Are you getting the Adrian Martinez that hasn't turned the ball over in two games? Or are you going to get the Adrian Martinez that turns it over four times in one game? Um, so I look at 
Lakers. So under Frost, they've only lost by 20 times, two of them against Ohio State in huge blowouts, once against Michigan and then once again. So, so it can happen. Um, but I think Frost has this team kind of gelling a little bit, you know, playing maybe for his coaching life. Um, and then the, the thing that stands out, you talked about him, is Samari Touri. That guy is a difference maker. They didn't have him last year. Um, and he just makes that offense much better. I look at um, Oklahoma, how they did versus the pass. 2020, they were ranked 83rd against the pass, and they only returned two starters in the secondary. And then I look at what they did against Tulane. So they gave up 396 yards total. 296 yards were through the air. Um, you know, Tulane got a lot of first downs, 24 first downs in that game. They're, they were able to kind of continue drives. Um, Nebraska kind of, you know, that balanced attack that they have. Um, and I think Adrian Martinez will do enough. He's athletic enough to, to get first downs. But you're right. Can he hold on to the ball for three straight games in a row? I don't know. Um, so for me, it, it comes down to um, Oklahoma just not looking at defense, um, not only last year, but into this year a little bit. And then I think that renewed has a little added allure to it. So 22 points is a lot. 22 and a half points is a lot in a rivalry game. I think Nebraska comes out hungry. I think they actually take the lead early in this game and kind of hold on to it through the first half. I think Oklahoma wins it pretty handedly in the second half. Um, over three touchdowns is just a bit too much. So I got Nebraska 22 and a half here. Yeah, I may have picked against them out of spite, but uh, yeah, it, you made a good point. It's like a Jekyll and Hyde with both of these teams. You really don't know which one's going to show up. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so I look at defense too. You talk about, you know, how good is, is Rattler. So Nebraska is actually 48th against the pass this year at 182 yards a game. They knocked out Peters. They shut down uh, D. Morat, the Patriot player of the year. And then they also shut down Van last week, Buffalo quarterback, who looked really good in 2020. So, you know, their pass defense, uh, they got they got some some good in the secondary. So I look for them to give, uh, give Rattler some fits. Right on. All right, third game of the week, we got Cincinnati, American Athletic Conference, um, Top five team coming into Indiana playing the Hoosiers. Cincinnati's actually favored in this game by four. Do you think that Desmond Ritter has not only win but cover the spread? Yeah, this was one of those games I looked at right off the get go and thought Cincinnati minus four, that's easy. Smash it. Um, Indiana is coming off a strong performance, albeit against Idaho, uh, who's now an FCS school. Uh, they only needed 338 yards on offense to score 56 points. Stephen Carr looked pretty good on the ground. Penix Jr. still looked like he was held back a little bit. He really he didn't really play all that much last week. He only had 68 yards on 16 pass attempts. Um, I think that something to pay attention to is this Indiana defense. Um, if you look at the box score to that Iowa game, you'd think, oh man, they they really got wrecked, but. Riley Moss had those two pick sixes for Iowa, which is really why, you know, 14 of those points came from that. 
And they also had another interception, uh, which I believe resulted in points too. So I, I think this defense is, you know, stronger than, you know, maybe people are giving it credit for. But like you said, Desmond Ritter, the Cincinnati offense is one of, if not the best in the country. Right now they're 37th in yards per game and 16th in scoring at 45 and a half points per game. But Desmond Ritter and Jerome Ford, that's going to be the best QB running back duo that Indiana's going to see all year. Um, the thing that uh, trips me up a little bit is the games in Indiana, which uh, we know is a tough place to play. Um, but like I said, I think this Indiana defense is getting slightly underrated. Um, but I just don't see how they're going to keep pace with this Cincinnati team. I think Cincinnati is going to score close to 40. And Penix Jr. just hasn't showed enough for me to think that he can get it within a touchdown. So I'm taking Cincinnati minus four here too. Um, but I, I am held up a little bit, you know, with that Indiana defense being stronger than I think some people might give it credit for. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, I agree. I think Cincinnati's offense is a powerhouse. Indiana's offense last year was, you know, pretty solid. Um, tailed off at the end there. And, but they lost Watt Fillier, they lost Stevie Scott, and yeah. now they're just kind of a shell of their self. So even against Idaho, they only had 338 total yards. That's pathetic. Um, 159 passing, and of those 159 passing yards, 91 were from backup QB Tuttle. So, you know, they didn't really pass much. I look at Cincinnati's defense. They're currently ranked 13th against the run. So you're going to have to pass the ball against this Cincinnati defense if you want to hang around. And Penix hasn't showed that at all this year. And he didn't really show it um, towards the end of last year before he got hurt. So I think Desmond Ritter, like you said, one of the best quarterbacks in all of uh, FBS right now. I think he has a great game. They blew out Miami of Ohio. Uh, Miami of Ohio. Around, around with Minnesota last week. Um, so I think Cincinnati is a really, really good football team, and they're just not getting credit that they deserve quite yet. Um, so I think wide receiver Jaden Thompson, he's going to have a big game as well for the Cincinnati Bearcats to cover this four points easily. This is my um, Lakeside Family Dental Lead Pipe Lock of the Week. Bearcats, negative four, lock it up. I, I mean, if I could pick a second place lead pipe lock, this would be it for me too. So I like the pick. I think, uh, I think it's a safe bet. I did bet this one as well. Excellent. Okay. So moving on, we got Michigan state university Spartans going all the way across country, all the way down South to Miami, taking on the hurricanes where the hurricanes are favored in this game by six points. The Spartans had enough in them to maybe not only cover, but go 3-0 and on the season? Yeah, Miami snuck a win last week against a pretty good Appalachian State team, in my opinion. Took a 42-yard field goal uh, on the last drive to win it. Um, and then we all know what happened week one, where they took an absolute beating at the hands of uh, national champion Alabama, losing 44-13. to uh, Their quarterback, Derek King, has just been okay for me. He didn't turn the ball over last week. Uh, the rush defense has had some tough tests, like I said, against Bama and then Cameron Peoples, who I think is one of the better G5 running backs. Uh, he ran for 95 yards on him last week. 
but it's held up for the most part. Um, 137 yards per game, good for 70th in the FBS. Um, Michigan State coming off another solid win. Um, they didn't need to rely on Kenneth Walker much last week with it being this FCS opponent. Um, but here's the thing. I don't think Michigan State has seen an offense like Miami yet. And we all know about Kenneth Walker in that uh, offense. I feel like the Michigan State has figured their offense out, but I we still don't really know much about this defense. They gave up 400 yards to Northwestern in week one. Northwestern played Indiana State Sycamores last week, and they only had 275 yards on them. So I think this Michigan State defense might not be that good right now. They also gave up 300 yards to FCS Youngstown. So I'm thinking this Miami team is pretty angry. They had a little hangover game last week after just getting embarrassed by Alabama. I think they're going to go home, and they're going to get this MSU team in, and they're going to want to you know, put some – something on tape that shows that they're, you know, still a decent team and can uh, compete in the ACC. And they're going to, they're going to beat them. I think they're going to beat them by a touchdown, maybe seven or eight points. So I'm taking Miami minus six here. Okay. I think, uh, you know, anytime anyone's traveling across the country, you know, that's a, that's a tough task um, with all the travel time involved and, you know, just getting ready for those games out to me so you look at Miami like we talked about so doors blown off against Alabama but their offense wasn't really great first downs um six of 14 from third on third down the only 266 total yards only 87 on the ground and they had three turn game and then again their offense wasn't that great they did have 25 first downs but they're only five of 16 down 75 total yards. Um, they did have zero turnovers, so they kind of uh, shored that up a little bit. Um, but, you know, again, I look at what can they do against the run. You talked about how they have the 70th overall rush defense at 137 yards per game. They kind of held Cam Peoples in check, but he's in a touchdown. Um, so I think if, if he can have 95 yards in a touchdown, Kenneth Walker is definitely going to have at least that if not more. Um, so I don't think that they're going to be able to stop Kenneth Walker again. And for me, Miami favored by six just seems a little bit heavy. I think this is going to be a low scoring game. Like he said, I think both of these offenses maybe aren't, aren't what we've um, seen so far just of who they played. So I think it's going to be low scoring, low for wins is going to win by maybe three, four points. And so because of that, I have Michigan State plus six here. That's fair. Michigan State, I mean, they're, they've been playing well, so um, no, I, maybe they can keep it going. Right. And we talked about their confidence level. I think I, – I don't know if they win this game, but I think they definitely keep it close. Um, and, and, man, Andy, what is that, three, get, three of the four matchups we've got different so far? I think it's only two, right? I think I only have two so far. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. We both had Cincinnati. I... Okay, so two. Two we got different. All right. Game five, Northern Illinois Huskies going to Ann Arbor. Northern Illinois is led by their transfer quarterback, Rocky Lombardi, who played at Michigan State last year and absolutely torched the Wolverines in Ann Arbor. Can he do it again this year? Yeah, um, 
Michigan with another big win last week against UW. Uh, we'll see how impressive that win was as the season goes on because we know that Washington did have that loss against Montana first week of the year. Um, UW was held to 10 points, and uh, in in, uh, Michigan's defense held up against Western Michigan week one, two, where they only allowed 14 points. Uh, I think the biggest revelation for this team has been Blake Corum at running back. He's already amassed 282 yards, four touchdowns, and 106 receiving yards and another touchdown. And Northern Illinois is sitting with the 121st rush defense, allowing 231 yards per game. Um, That being said, this team has had to play some pretty impressive running teams. Uh, First, Georgia Tech, uh, which they ended up winning that game, but they had to play against Jameer Gibbs, running quarterback Jeff Sims, and then last week against Wyoming, who was a really good running back in Xavier Valaday. So they're going to get no more breaks here with Blake Corum and this Michigan team. Um, like I said, last week they played Wyoming. They gave them all they could handle. Uh, Rocky Lombardi really tried to bring them back into that game. They ended up losing by seven, uh, 50 to 43. And then, like I talked about with Georgia Tech, they ended up upsetting them week one uh, after a Jeff Sims injury, uh, winning 22 to 21. Um, but as far as their offense is concerned, I think uh, this is going to be one of the – well, this will be the best rushing offense uh, Michigan will have seen this year so far. Uh, they're ranked 37th right now at 204 yards per game. Uh, their running back, Harrison Whaley, has already amassed 323 yards on the ground. And then, like you said, can Rocky Lombardi duplicate his performance from a year ago? Uh, I Probably not. It's just not what Northern Illinois does on offense. But I, I do think that this team is pesky, uh, and it's just going to come down to how good this Michigan rush D truly is. So right now they're sitting at 30th. They're allowing 88 yards per game. Uh, I think that number is a little um, misleading based on their opponents. Uh, Western Michigan isn't really known as being a rushing team. And then obviously last week, uh, I don't know what's going on with the UW offense, but it's just anemic. There's really nothing going on for it. Um, one thing to note, I think that I found interesting, both of these teams have a third down conversion rate of over 50% and both of them are allowing their opponents over 40%, uh, third down conversion, uh, NIU actually 58%, uh, conversion on defense, which is horrible. Michigan's is a little bit better at 44%. So I think that these defenses are going to have a tough time getting off the field. Um, I think this Michigan's going to win this game pretty easily. Um, I just don't know if it's going to be four touchdowns easy. Uh, it could be, could very well be. I'm definitely not going to bet this game, but right now, uh, the way I see it, I feel like it's going to be Northern Illinois plus the points. Yeah, no, I think you look at, talk about Rocky Lombardi statistics. So again, Michigan last year, really good. 17 to 32, 323, three touchdowns. He's playing against virtually the same defense, but he doesn't really have the same weapons that he did at Michigan State um, with the Huskies. And then I look at Northern Illinois. So against Georgia Tech, that game they won in week one, they gave up 271 rushing yards. Michigan, you know, people are saying maybe they're a service academy with how much they've been running the ball lately. Um, So I think they're going to absolutely impose their will running the ball um, with Corum, they're going to dominate time of possession. Um, and then I look at Rocky Lombardi last week. He had three interceptions against Wyoming. 
Michigan has zero INTs on the season. That's going to change this week. They're going to pick him off at least once, if not twice. Um, they're, they're, they remember that game last year, and all those guys are there. They're going to make this very, very difficult on Rocky Lombardi. Um, they, their defense was able to shut down Ellaby from Western Michigan week one. Um, they got, you know, passed against pretty heavy against Washington last week, but a lot of that was towards the end when Washington really had to throw the ball around. And it was more, you know, give up the yards, but don't, don't give up the big play. Um, so I look for Michigan here to, you know, impose its will. I think they win this game going away. I think they blow out Northern Illinois. I think they, they want to bury Rocky Lombardi. And like you said, hey, this could go either way, but I, I'm taking Michigan here. I'm taking Michigan 27 and a half favorite at home. Yeah, I don't mind that pick at all. It's just it's one of those games that I'm just going to stay away from. I think Michigan's, like you like you said, maybe it is a revenge game against Rocky Lombardi, and this offense is just clicking in a way that I didn't really think it was going to happen when the season started. All right, next matchup we got Minnesota Golden Gophers going to Colorado Boulder, taking on the Buffaloes. Uh, Colorado's a three point favorite at home. Um, Minnesota. You know, looked really good early on against Ohio State, but now, you know, how good is Ohio State? So does Minnesota have enough to get the cover and possibly the win on the road? Yeah, last week they struggled to really get anything going against Miami of Ohio. Um, Potts looked okay with 178 yards rushing, but I think he ran, you know, he had over 30 attempts. So, you know, you're going to expect to get a lot of yards. Uh, I think a lot of the struggles are, are from Tanner Morgan. Uh, he continues to be a wet noodle, completing less than 50% of his passes. Uh, and this Colorado defense just isn't going to let them dilly-dally on the ground all afternoon. Uh, they're going to make Tanner Morgan throw for it. And it's, you know, he's, he, he better hope Chris Ottman-Bell is healthy or P.J. Fleck, you know, figures something else with Dylan Wright. But this offense needs to not be one-dimensional against a defense like Colorado, uh, who hung tough last week against Texas A&M, albeit without Haynes King, who went down in early in that game. Uh, but they did make the replacement quarterback, Kelzada, who was supposedly neck and neck with King uh, in the preseason here. Uh, they made him look horrible. Um, it took an Isaiah Spiller with three minute touchdown with three minutes to go to win that game for Texas A&M. Uh, Jarek Broussard, uh, Colorado Star running back was also banged up last week, but uh, by all accounts, he should be back this week. I don't know what, how, you know, how healthy, what percent he's at. Um, but, you know, going back to that rush D, Colorado has the 13th best rush defense in FBS, allowing only 58.5 yards per game. So, like I said, Minnesota's not going to be able to just pound the rock on this team. And, you know, unless Tanner Morgan can figure it out. I think there was like a couple drives where they just didn't even let Tanner Morgan throw the ball last week. And, you know, obviously it wasn't like they were running away against Miami of Ohio. So um, I'm not really concerned that Colorado only scored seven last week against Texas A&M because Texas A&M's defense is fantastic. And like I said, Jarek Broussard will hopefully be back this week. So I'm taking Minnesota at home minus three. And this one, this is going to be my lead pipe lock of the week. Wait, wait, Colorado at home minus three. Is that yeah? Did I say Minnesota? Yes. Oof. Yeah. Colorado minus three at home. This is your lakeside family dental lead pipe lock of the week. Colorado Buffaloes negative three. Yes. 
All right, I like it. I'm just making sure because you got a little excited there. And you said, I did. I know. I can't believe I messed that up. Right. All right. So I'm I'm with you here. So I I think QB Tanner Morgan. You look at his statistics from 2019. You think, oh my goodness, this guy's gonna have a a banger year, a banner year in 2020. He was terrible, and then this year he's he's same thing as he was in 2020. He's not good. Last week against Miami of Ohio, he was only 8 of 17 for a buck 12. He did have two touchdowns, but still not not good through the air. Um, I look at Colorado. You talked about facing Texas A&M, only getting the, the seven points. Not too shocking. Texas A&M has nine returning starters on the ninth total defense and number two against the run. Colorado, what do they want to do? They want to run the ball. They're 30th um, running the ball with 226 yards per game. You talked about Jarek Broussard. He should play. Hopefully he does because I think he's going to have a monster game against this Gophers defense that ranked 80th against the run, giving up 152 yards per game. Um, Colorado talked a little bit about their defense as well. Um, They shut down Texas A&M, albeit with their backup QB. But also they, they had to go, they played Northern um, Colorado week one, who's actually quarterbacked by Dylan McCaffrey, believe it or not. Um, so they, they look pretty good in that game as well. And I agree with you. I got Colorado negative three at home as well. Yeah, hopefully I can uh, get off the schneid here and uh, get a lead pipe lock uh, locked in here. So we'll see what happens. No, I like it. I'm with you. I, I'm, I, I agree. I think you got this one. All right, so we got Purdue Boilermakers going to Notre Dame. Again, rivalry renewed. So um, back when the conference expansion kind of happened back in, you know, the uh, seven, eight, nine, ten years ago, um, Notre Dame started playing all those ACC games. They got rid of a lot of their Big Ten schedule, and part of that was their Purdue game that they had played for, you know, 60, 70 years straight. So they're going, they're, they're uh, renewing it this year. Purdue's going um, to Notre Dame, where Notre Dame is a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. Notre Dame hasn't looked that great against um, Florida State, who just got beat by FCS Jacksonville State. And then they needed a touchdown late um, to beat Toledo last week. So Notre Dame, do they have enough to win by over a touchdown? Yeah, Purdue coming off that big win against the worst team in FBS history in UConn. Uh, but they did lose Xander Horvath in that game. I don't think that's going to affect the offense too much because, honestly, King Doro, Doru, and Dylan Downing came in, and I honestly think that they looked a little bit better than Xander Horvath. Like, you know, Xander Horvath's just a give me the rock, I'm going to run for three or four yards. But King Doru and Dylan Downing seem to be, you know, more dynamic runners. So I kind of like that we're going to maybe see somebody else there. Um, David Bell and Payne Durham impressed again. I think David Bell had three touchdowns. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't really have much to add about Purdue. Uh, their offense is going to be, you know, throwing it all over the field. And like I said, the running game, if it's good, great. That's just an added bonus, but they really don't rely on it. Uh, Notre Dame, like you said, struggled last week and needed that touchdown in the last two minutes to beat Toledo. Uh, Jack Cohn just kind of looked pedestrian last week after lighting up FSU in uh, week one. Um, the only thing I can really say about Notre Dame is their pass D has been solid. So I, at, I think they, uh, well, they give, they're giving up 199.5 yards per game passing right now, which is 
pretty solid. Um, but obviously Purdue, like we talked about, uh, they have the 11th best passing attack at 344 yards per game. So it's, something's going to have to break there or there's going to be a draw. Um, but when it comes down to it, I just don't think this Notre Dame team is very good. I don't think Jack Cohn's very good. Um, and I think this Purdue defense is underrated. Right now they're 39th at 293 yards per game. Um, you know, Notre Dame's got some good pieces on offense there besides Cohn. They got Kyron Williams, who I think is a really solid uh, running back. And then obviously Michael Mayer, who's probably going to be the best tight end in the draft a couple of years from now. But I don't think Notre Dame's just going to run away with a game and win by a touchdown. So I'm taking Purdue plus the points here. I think that their passing game is going to keep them in this game. Uh, they may not win it, but uh, they could. But I'll take I'll take the points. Yeah, I got Purdue plus seven and a half as well. A few things stand out. Obviously, you talked about their passing attack, 344 yards a game, ninth overall. Notre Dame, I don't know if we had the same stats or not, but I got them as the 64th passing defense, 203 yards per game. Um, they do get after the quarterback a little bit. They got five sacks in two games, and Purdue's given up four sacks in their two games. So I think uh, Notre Dame's going to get a little bit of pressure on Plummer at times. Um, but he's only thrown one interception on the season so far. So I think Purdue's passing attack will keep them in the game. Then I look at third down conversion. So Purdue on offense is 15th in the nation um, with 53% third down conversion rate. And then Notre Dame's defense is 90th at only 42%. So I think Purdue has a lot of sustained drives. And then another thing that stands out a little bit is Jack Cohn. So he looked really good week one. Um, week two, fair, um, but he did dislocate his finger late in that game. He had to come out, and then he came back in after they uh, popped it back in the socket there and uh, led the team on that game-winning drive, and that is in his throwing hand. So that'll be interesting to see, you know, as the week went on, you know, you know, is there any added swelling? Is there, you know, any, uh, any more pain that he's got in that hand just to see how he handles this game? Um, and then... I talked about it already. This is a rivalry game. So um, Purdue, Notre Dame, you know, that this used to be kind of a back-and-forth matchup, you know, in, in years past. Notre Dame kind of had, had it late there in the last, you know, um, 2000s with their matchup. But they're playing for the Shillelagh Trophy. Not to be um, confused with the jeweled Shillelagh that Notre Dame plays USC for, um, but there is a trophy to this game. Um, I think Purdue comes out. They, they want to beat their rival. They want to beat their in-state rival that, you know, maybe they feel slighted by a little bit. Notre Dame always gets all the recognition for the state of Indiana. So I look for Purdue, for Purdue to cover this spread and to hang around late. If not, you know, be leading kind of towards the end there and, and maybe possibly win this game outright. Yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me one bit. I mean, if, if, that passing game gets clicking and David Bell and Payne Durham go off and they just put up like, you know, 20, 30 points in the first half, Notre Dame's going to have a tough time coming back. Yes, they will. All right, moving on. We got the Kent state golden flashes from the Mac going to number five in all the land, Iowa Hawkeyes who are favored in this game by 23 and a half points. Um, do they have another blowout win in them? Man, yeah, I love Iowa. Uh, they had that convincing win last week against the rivals, the Cyclones. Uh, as I predicted, they embarrassed Brock Purdy and Brees Hall. 
this defense is just incredible. They've had three interceptions in back-to-back games and at least one defensive touchdown in both of those games as well. Like I, I talked about Riley Moss getting those two touchdowns in, in the first game against Indiana, and they had a fumble recovery last week for a touchdown. Um, but interesting stat, this offense has yet to score more than 20 points on its own. Um, Petrus is really just kind of the most vanilla quarterback you're ever going to see, just a game manager of all game managers. Uh, Tyler Goodson's a nice running back. I don't really have anything bad to say about him. This Kent State offense, though, uh, can fly. Dustin Crum at quarterback is a baller, the fifth-year senior. He hasn't really done much this year. Uh, they had that an FCS game last week where he didn't really need to come out and play that much. And then, uh, obviously, they, they lost to Texas A&M in week one. We already talked about the Texas A&M defense, how great they are. But Crum last year finished with 1,200 yards and 12 TDs in the air uh, and four rushing TDs in only four games. And then they also have a solid young running back in Marquez Cooper. Um, so, like I mentioned, that Texas A&M game, they lost that one 10 to 41. I think, you know, Iowa's defense is pretty similar to Texas A&M. Um, so I think it's it's entirely within the realm of possibilities that they hold Kent State to around 10, 14 points. But what it comes down to me is this offense. Like, Texas A&M put up 41 points, but they had Haynes King, Isaiah Spiller, Devin Achain, uh, nice Smith, like that's those are great players on offense who could potentially be NFL players. Iowa doesn't have any of that. Um, also, Dustin Crum didn't have a touchdown in that uh, Texas A&M game. I don't think he's going to go another game without a touchdown. So I think Kent State's going to score probably like 10 or 13 points, but I think I was, you know, really capped out at around 30 unless they managed to get another defensive touchdown, which possible, but I don't know if it's, they can do it three times in a row. So, like I said, maybe 13 to 30-ish. So, I'm actually going to take uh, Kent State plus those points. Oof. Okay. All right. Um, so, interesting little stat here. We have the number one um, team interceptions with Kent State. They have eight on the year. And then the number two defense with interceptions is Iowa with six on the year. Um, so, I look at Crum. He's got two interceptions already in the season. Petrus, zero. So, something's going to give there. There's Definitely going to be an interception or two in this game uh, by somebody. Um, but I look at Kent State, week one is the big, big thing. So they got absolutely housed by Texas A&M. We talked about how Texas A&M offense didn't look too great against Colorado, albeit a backup quarterback, but still. Um, so I think this game is going to look really similar to that matchup. You got... Um, Iowa's defense is also top-notch. They're 15th scoring defense, giving up only 11.5 points per game. And that's against Indiana, who, you know, had a pretty good offense in 2020. And then also against uh, Iowa State, who, you know, with Brock Purdy and, and your boy Brees, you know, they, uh, they, they got a potent offense as well. So they shut down two quality teams. Um, they're probably one of few teams in FBS um, to play this tough of a schedule um, so far. And then I look at Kent State. What did they do well in their games um, that they've played so far? So against VMI, they had 494 rushing yards. Um, and then also against Texas A&M, they actually ran the ball for 222 yards on the ground. Um, what does Iowa do pretty well? They shut down the run. They're holding opponents to um, only 82 yards per game. That's 26th in the nation. 
So I look for Kent State to have a lot of struggles. Crumb's probably going to throw a pick or two. Um, like you said, 10 points. I don't even know if they'll get that many. I think Iowa might shut down the Golden Flashes, shut them out completely. And then we're talking about 24 points. So um, I agree. I don't think Iowa's offense is quite there yet. Um, they're missing a few guys from last year. Petrus seems like a game manager, like you said. Um, but I think he, he does enough in this game to get them into that 30-point range. And I don't think Kent State will score enough here. So I got Iowa covering, but I agree. This one's, this one's kind of close as well. Yeah. Uh, I think Kent State, like you said, they, they're, they've been a rushing team this year. I think that they're going to try and focus more on the pass. But like you said, Iowa's defense is – and we both said it. I mean, it's an incredible defense. So they could very well shut them out. <laughs> right. All right. So next matchup, we got Tulsa. So Tulsa coming in, um, the Golden Hurricane taking on the Buckeyes, who lost in a shocker last week um, in the horseshoe to the Ducks. Ohio State, though, coming in as a 25-point favorite. Um, will they cover this week against Tulsa? Man, this has to be a get-right game for Ohio State. So what are we – this is week three now, and they haven't had a cover yet. I, I can't – I I haven't checked the stats, but I, I would be very interested to know when the last time that's happened is. Uh, yeah, we mentioned the brutal loss against Oregon. Their rush defense is just bad. Like, C.J. Verdell, Mo Ibrahim have exposed them. They can gash them. They're going to give up 150-yard rushers to, uh, you know, competent opponents throughout this year over and over. Um, Stroud, again, another solid statistical game. Uh, still had that really slow first half where he really just couldn't get anything going. Um, I think one takeaway for the offense from last week was they have a legit number three wide receiver in Jackson Smith and Jigba. And uh, Trayvon Henderson definitely uh, is a, f- a fixture there at the uh, number two running back behind uh, Mayan Williams. He may end up even taking over the number one spot. Uh, he looks like he's going to be a star for this team for a while. So there's no question that the offense can get it done. Um, Haskell Garrett just needs more help on that de- defensive side of the ball. Um, Tulsa, on the other hand, not a good team, not a good G5 team. They opened the season with a loss to UC Davis, giving up over 300 yards on offense to them. Uh, they're 71st in total defense, giving up 356 yards per game. They're still figuring out their rush game. They get Shamari Brooks back uh, in their backfield after he tore his ACL in 2019. Uh, but he hasn't really taken over. Daneric Prince has uh, sort of been the the number one running back there. Um, their rush game looked pretty bad last week against Oklahoma State. Uh, but Tulsa did play that game pretty close and got the cover. Uh, I don't really have much more analysis other than Ohio State is probably going to be angry. And Tulsa just happens to be the next opponent on the docket. And they're at home. I think uh, everyone's just going to be a little frustrated and ready to, you know, take their frustrations out on a easy opponent so i think ohio state comes in and just pounds them uh i don't think tulsa is going to be able to do anything uh so give me give me ohio state minus 25 Ooh, ooh, okay all right so uh, i'm not as low on tulsa yet um i i like this team from the american conference i think they walked into a buzzsaw with uc davis they're uh ranked 12th in the fcs they play in the Big Sky Conference, which might be the best conference in all of FCS. Um, 
that game. They were up late. They got outscored 6 nothing in the fourth um, to lose by two points, I believe it was. And then you look at last week, too. They were up on Oklahoma State going into the fourth quarter. They got outscored 21-9 to in the fourth um, to lose that game by uh, five points. So we're talking about a Tulsa team that going into both fourth quarters were winning the game. They could easily be 2-0. and And then we're talking about a game where they go at Ohio State where Ohio State's coming off on the loss to Oregon, the, the kind of close winning and struggles against Minnesota. And, you know, this spread's probably only 17 points. So I think uh, we're, you're getting a bargain here with Tulsa uh, plus 25. But I look at why did Tulsa struggle um, to not close out these games. There were only six of 24 combined on third down um, in those two games. They did have three turnovers, um, but they did outgain both their opponents in total yards. But then also penalties absolutely killed them. They had 12 penalties in that first game against UC Davis for a, racking up 122 yards. And then also they had six more penalties uh, in the second game, uh, totaling 61 yards. So that, you know, it, it absolute probably drive killers um, and extending the drive on defense. Tulsa does return nine offensive starters, nine defensive starters. Um, so I look for them to come into Ohio State you know, hold their own for a while. I think they get beat pretty handily, but 25 is too much. Ohio State's defense, they're not the defense in previous years. They're not the defense um, that you would remember. Uh, they, you know, got lit up by Minnesota, 408 total yards. We talked about the run game. And then Oregon hung a 500 on them, 505 total yards, 27 first downs. And then I talked about the third down struggles for Tulsa. Well, Ohio State's third down defense struggles as well, um, allowing 16 of 30 uh, to their opponents. So um, I look for Tulsa, you know, if, you know, like I said, if they're 2-0, and this spread's much closer. And I think they should be a 2-0 and team. So I got Tulsa plus 25 here. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, Ohio State's kind of a second-half team. And Tulsa's kind of struggles in the second half. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. <laughs> it'll be a backdoor cover one way or another for sure. <laughs> right. All right. So we got another matchup here. Then we got an FCS team coming in. The Delaware uh, Blue Hens taking on Rutgers. Rutgers coming off the big win against Syracuse. They're 2-0 and um, after throttling Temple in week one. They're coming into this game as a 34-and-a-half-point favorite. Rutgers, that's got to be one of the, the, the highest uh, point, um, point spreads that they've had in quite some time, if not ever. Do you think Rutgers can, uh, can cover this one? Yeah, they had that tight win last week against Syracuse. Defense has been really good, um, forcing five turnovers in that Temple game, and obviously last week only a, a – held Syracuse to two for 14 on uh, third down and just, you know, only giving up those seven points. So their defense is, is playing pretty well, but yeah, it comes down to this. Can this offense score 35 points last week? They only had 195 yards on of total offense. Uh, no of a draw just doesn't seem like, you know, he's got anything on offense clicking. Uh, I'm not going to, you know, dismiss the 61 point explosion in week one, but I'm also not going to forget that they scored those points on five turnovers. 
this Rutgers rush defense is currently 33rd in the country at 90 points or 90 yards per game. Um, and then looking at Delaware, they're two and zero. They have wins against Maine and St. Francis. Their QB Henderson plays pretty well. He's got 521 yards in the season with three TDs. Uh, they don't really rely on the run, so I don't really necessarily think this Rutgers rush defense is going to benefit them too much. Uh, defensively, Delaware's not bad, only 17 points per game. Um, but all of this is kind of a moot point with the FCS opponents. 35 to me just feels like a lot. Um, and here's a transitive property uh, theory for you, which you should never do in sports betting, but I figured I'd throw it out anyhow. Delaware beat St. Francis. Uh, by 17. Eastern Michigan also beat St. Francis by 20. Eastern Michigan then lost to Wisconsin by 27. So therefore, we could assume that Delaware would also lose to Wisconsin by around 30 points. And if that's the case, there's no way that Rutgers can beat them by more than 30. So give me those points. Interesting. Very interesting. (laughs) You do the transitive property and Rutgers wasn't even involved in the equation. Nope. You don't need them. All right, so a few things stand out to me. So we talked about Rutgers, their offensive struggles. You talked about how they only had 195 total yards last week. They were only 3 of 15 on third down. They only had 16 first downs, only 50, yard, uh, 50 yards rushing the ball. Um, and then I look, can they win by 35? So since 2016, they actually have three wins by 35 or more points. One of them was this year against Temple, who's 0-2. And then last year had their struggles um, after their quarterback transferred. So I don't think Temple is very good. They're one of the, the bottom feeders in the, all of FBS. Then back in 2017, they played Morgan State, um, an FCS doormat that year, who was 1-10 on the season. And then in 2016, they beat Howard, who we talked about last week, who just got uh, mutilated by uh, the Terrapins. They got beat by 35-plus um, to Rutgers back in 2016, but they were only 2-9 and nine that year. So I look at Delaware. They already got two wins on the season. Um, and then back in 2020, last year, they did a lot of the, the spring game. Um, they actually made it three rounds into the, the playoffs. They went 7-1 and one last year. They returned their QB Hendersons that you talked about, senior quarterback, who's got some um, good statistics. And then their defense that you talked about, you know, having, you know, pretty stout defense is because they returned all 11 defensive starters from last year. So I think Rutgers with their offensive struggles already will struggle against Delaware. um, And there's no way that they beat this Delaware blue hen team by 35 points. Um, This was almost my lead pipe lock, um, but I just don't know enough about this Delaware team to lock up 35 points on them. So, um, but give me Delaware plus 34 and a half. Yeah, it's always tough to project FCS into the FBS, especially with a team like Delaware. They haven't played anyone yet. But, yeah, I just don't think uh, Rutgers offense is that good. 35 points too much. All right. We got two more Big Ten matchups here. We're moving along. Uh, the next game is Northwestern. Um, they're coming off their FCS uh, victory last week against Indiana State Sycamores. They're going to Duke, um, taking on the Blue Devils. Uh, Northwestern, though, on the road is favored by three. Uh, Does Hunter Johnson have enough to carry this team to victory and the cover? 
Yeah, that game last week was probably one of the more boring ones in all of college football. Both teams combined for a total between both teams for 444 yards on offense. Uh, Hunter Johnson, for how decent he looked in week one, I say decent with quotation marks, against Michigan State. Uh, he was just sporting an awful yards per attempt last week. He only had 66 yards on 16 attempts. Um you know, they were playing the Sycamores. They kind of were in control the whole game. I think it was 24 nothing, and then Sycamore scored a touchdown, and, you know, the game was already out of – it was never in doubt for them. So I'm not going to hold it too much against them, but I just feel like this offense really doesn't have much going ex- besides Evan Hull, who looked pretty good last week with 126 yards on the ground, and he also looked pretty decent against Michigan State in week one. Uh, Duke beat up on NCANT last week. Mateo Durant running for three touchdowns. They opened the year with a disappointing loss to Charlotte. Durant also ran in that game for 225 yards and three touchdowns. So you can draw your own comparisons to the Kenneth Walker, the third game against Northwestern in that same week. Um, neither of these defenses are particularly great at forcing turnovers. I think there's only one turnover for uh, that Northwestern has uh, force this year, and I don't think Duke has any this year. Um, one thing that I did note is that Duke has the 10th best third down percentage in FBS, uh, almost 60%. Uh, so I, I just feel like there's more stuff leaning towards Duke. You know, they're at home. They've got this Mateo Durant who's, you know, going to tote the rock. You know, he's a little bit smaller than Kenneth Walker the third, but I think he's still a, he's a fifth-year guy. He's experienced. I think he's, he's going to be able to take it to this Northwestern defense. Um, and then, you know, like I said, the third down percentage for Duke just has me thinking Duke's probably going to win something in like a low scoring 16 to 13 game. So I'm going to take him at home with the points. Yeah, I'm with you here. Um, I think, you know, two things jump out at me. It's Duke's run game. Uh, they're 17th rushing 251 yards per game. They're going against Northwestern who's struggled against the run. Um, we talked about Kenneth Walker tearing them up week one. They ranked 93rd um, nationally, giving up 178 yards on the ground per game. Um, we talked about Hunter Johnson's struggles. So I, I just don't think the offense is quite there yet for Northwestern. I think Duke's going to control the game um, on the ground. Like you said, they, they get those first downs. They convert on third down. They're at home. Duke plus three. I like it. Go Blue Devils. Last matchup of the week in the Big Ten, we got Auburn, War Eagle, taking on Penn State in Happy Valley. Penn State is favored in this one by five points against an SEC school. Do they have enough? Yeah, Penn State continuing to ride high after finishing last season strong. The win streak continued last week with a convincing win over Ball State. Still couldn't really get that running game going. Uh, Noah Kane does appear to be the RB1 in that uh, room, but he really didn't run for a good average last week. Sean Clifford looked better. I think the best part of this offense is Jahan Dotson. He's looking like one of the better wide receivers in the Big Ten. Um, the defense is where Penn State is really hanging their hat, though. They have yet to give up 300 total yards of offense uh, to any opponent this year. Uh, and their scoring defense is really is good for 15th in the country at 11.5 points per game. Um, but speaking of scoring defense, Auburn sits at number one at five points per game. But who have they played? 
So they gave up 10 points to Akron in week one, and then they shut out FCS Alabama State last week. So they haven't really played anybody. Um, so they got their easy games out of the way. Now they're going to face a legit defense who's going to expose their quarterback, Bo Nix, who we know has you know, not really lived up to the expectations since being a highly touted recruit out of high school. Uh, he threw seven interceptions last year. He has yet to throw one this year, but he's going up against this Penn State defense that already has four interceptions. So you can count on a Bo Nix interception. Book that one right now. Um, Tank Bigsby is probably going to gash him for you know a few big plays, but I don't think it's going to matter. Happy Valley is going to be just rocking. Penn State should win it. Uh, I think they're going to win by around touchdown, maybe eight points. So give me Penn State minus five. Yeah, this one was tough for me. I went back and forth a couple times. There's a few conflicting statistics um, here and there. So I look at Auburn. So last year they were 0-4 when facing a top 32 defense. Um, in all those games, they lost by 11-plus. Penn State last year, 17th in total defense. You talked about their statistics this year. They're pretty darn good, um, but they're actually 62nd currently in total defense, but that's because a lot of teams so far have played cupcake schedules. Um, so I think their defense is much better than that. Um, and then, you know, we talked about Penn State. They're coming in with a lot of confidence, six-game win streak. Clifford, he's doing enough. He's at 477 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions on the year. Running game, they, you know, can't seem to find the guy yet. Um, Noah Kane seems to be trending that direction, but we'll see. Um, but I think Auburn's going to have their hands full here. So this is the first true road non-conference game in Bo Nix's career. Um, last year, they were 89th in scoring. Um, their last two Big Ten matchups, albeit in bowl games, they, they both lost. Um, so everything's kind of leaning towards Penn State here. Um, Auburn, you talked about their blowout wins against just trash teams. Penn State, you know, had that tough, tough road win against Wisconsin week one. Um, you know, I, I, I agree with you. I think Penn State wins this game. I think they cover. Um, I think that crowd is going to be the difference. Um, kind of like that week one matchup with Virginia Tech and North Carolina where Sam Howell is just you know, seeing ghosts, you know, Sam Darnold, if you will. So <laughs> uh, I look for um, Penn State to win this game as well. I'm not as confident just because I don't know where this Penn State team is offensively yet. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they can do against Auburn. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely with you on the Penn State offense. I think they, you know, I don't, if they score 30, I'll be surprised, but I just don't count on this defense to allow Auburn to score three touchdowns. So uh, I'm thinking like a 28 to 20 type game. All right, let's uh, let's recap it real quick, Andy, what we got in the Big Ten, and then we'll give our uh, bonus picks. All right, starting off tomorrow with Maryland minus seven and a half at Illinois. Both of us got Maryland minus seven and a half. Uh, then I got Michigan State at Miami minus six. I took Miami minus the points. You got Michigan State plus six. Uh, then Nebraska at Oklahoma minus 22 and a half for Oklahoma. I'm taking Oklahoma minus the points. You've got Nebraska plus 22 and a half. Uh, then we were both on Cincinnati minus four at Indiana. Uh, that was your lead pipe lock. Uh, moving on to Northern Illinois at Michigan. Michigan a 27 and a half point favorite. 
I took Northern Illinois plus the points. Uh, you've got Michigan minus 27 and a half. Uh, Minnesota at Colorado. Colorado three-point favorite at home. We both took Colorado. That was my lead pipe lock. Purdue going to Notre Dame. Notre Dame a seven-and-a-half point favorite at home. Both of us took Purdue plus the points. Uh, Kent State versus Iowa. Uh, Iowa 23-and-a-half point favorite at home. I've got Kent State plus the points. You've got Iowa minus 23-and-a-half. Tulsa at Ohio State. Ohio State 25 point favorite at home. I've got Ohio State minus 25. You've got Tulsa plus 25. Uh, Delaware at Rutgers. Rutgers 34 and a half point favorite at home. We both took Delaware plus the points. Northwestern at Duke. Northwestern a three point favorite on the road. We both took Duke at home plus three. Uh, Auburn going to Penn State. Penn State five point favorite at home. We both got Penn State minus five. Uh, and that's it. Excellent. No, we got we got quite a bit of um, conflicting stuff here, so it'll be interesting to see if one of us kind of cleans house or if, you know, there's kind of a mix and match here this week. So um, let's go over now bonus picks of the week. So outside of the Big Ten, there's some pretty good matchups this week. Um, where are you looking? Yeah, I'm going right to the game of the week. Alabama going to the Swamp, Florida, and Gainesville. Coming into town as a 14-and-a-half-point uh, favorite. Uh, I don't think anyone's going to argue with me if I say Alabama's the best team in the country. Uh, arguably, I will say they have the best quarterback in the country uh, in Bryce Young. But obviously, that, that you know people could contest that. Um, as far as their offense is concerned, they've got an Olympic diving pool worth of depth at every skill position. They can score points in 100 different ways. They've got... Brian Robinson Jr., Roy Dell Williams, Jace McClellan at running back. They've got Jamison Williams, the Ohio State transfer, John Mechie, JoJo Earl, Slade Bolden, Jaleel Billingsley. All these guys can catch touchdowns. Um, I, we talked earlier about how they embarrassed Miami week one, and I think they're poised to embarrass another Sunshine State team on Friday. Um, as far as defense is concerned for Alabama, it's not a concern. It's Alabama. It's Nick Saban. We know they're going to have a strong defense. Uh, one thing I will note, this is a rematch of the SEC championship last year where Bama only won by six points. It was the only, uh, win for them last year that was within 14 points. Um, so is it going to be another close game? I don't know. Gone from that Florida offense is Kyle Trask, the quarterback and first round picks Kadarius, Tony and Kyle Pitts. So this offense is a lot different. Um, Unlike Alabama, Florida isn't a breeding ground for first-round talent, um, so the offense is not as efficient as it was last year. They've got a rotation at quarterback with Anthony Richardson and Emory Jones. Uh, Richardson seems to be the more electric, uh, Tim Tebow-like player, You know, especially running the ball. He's been just gashing teams. Um, one thing I will say, they've this Florida team's turned the ball over four times already against FAU and USF, so not exactly the the best opponents to be, you know, turning the ball over. If they do that against Alabama, it's going to get ugly real quick. And this Alabama defense has already forced five turnovers on the year. So, yeah, I'm not betting against Alabama. I'm taking them even on the road in Gainesville, minus 14 and a half. I think this is an easy one for a lot of people. Um, I think Alabama could win by 20, maybe even 30. Yeah, hopefully you uh, get off the snide here and uh, turn around your bonus picks. Yeah, definitely. So where I'm looking, so I took the Hokies last week. 
I look at their matchup again this week. They go on the road to West Virginia, where West Virginia is a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home. So when you look at Virginia Tech, yes, they had that shutdown win um, against UNC week one. Uh, Lane, Lane Stadium, it was rocking. Um, UNC lost a ton of talent to the NFL. All their playmakers were gone except for Sam Howell. He looked lost. Um, and then last week, uh, they, they covered the spread again at home against Middle Tennessee State. Um, they didn't look overly great in that game, but they just were, were never in doubt as well. Um, but I look at Virginia Tech last year on the road. They were 2-3 and three on the road. Their only wins were against lowly Duke and Louisville. Um, and then their offense this year, uh, the Hokie offense, isn't that great. 339 and a half um, on average total yards per game. They only average a buck 64 passing, um, 175 on the ground. They are pretty solid on third down, 13 of 25. They average 21 first downs uh, per game, but they have turned the ball over um, twice in the two games. I look at West Virginia. They got torched by Talia, but that offense seems to be special. Um, so I think West Virginia, I think their defense is still pretty good. I think their pass defense is pretty good. And Virginia Tech doesn't really pass the ball. Um, so I think defensively, they're going to hold Virginia Tech to very few points in this game. And then I look to West Virginia's offense. So quarterback Dogie, he's pretty solid, um, you know, on the year. He does have two interceptions, um, but, you know, he, overall, he's doing pretty well. They absolutely torched Long Island um, University last week. Um, and then, you know, I look at Letty Brown, you know, 17 carries, 73 yards, two touchdowns. Um, you know, he's, he's been okay as well. Um, but last year, they were 5-0 and at home. So I think that trend continues. I think they play well at home. Um, West Virginia, you know, that's a hostile, hostile environment. And this is also kind of that, you know, pseudo rivalry game. We got West Virginia and then Virginia Tech. So I look for West Virginia to want to win this game. I look for their fans to be rowdy. Um, I look for the, the offense of West Virginia to be very well. And then I look for Virginia Tech to struggle in this one. So I got West Virginia at two and a half. Interesting. Yeah, I, I guess Virginia Tech, uh, away from their stadium, is uh, going to be a little tricky for them. Um, but I would figure that spread would be a little bit different given the wins against UNC and, you know, obviously winning last week. But I do like that uh, that West Virginia offense. Letty Brown is, is definitely special. Excellent. All right, so that caps it off. Week three coming up here. Exciting times. Um, as always, Give us a follow on Twitter at the star 18. You can follow Andy at. I'm at Andy star FF. And uh, check out what's the spread podcast. Um, and, and as always, please, please gamble responsibly. This is what's the spread. <laughs>